0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Community Pastor Jason Ishmael as we conclude the series, Refresh. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays, streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Have you ever been on your computer navigating your way through the World Wide Web when all of a sudden something goes terribly wrong? Maybe you were watching a video and the page froze up. Maybe you were trying to enter your info into a drop-down menu that stopped working for some reason. Or maybe you were watching Community Online and it wouldn't stop buffering. Impossible, nothing ever goes wrong with Community Online, but I'm asking you to use your imagination. So what do you do when you encounter these problems? You simply drag your cursor up to this little symbol in your browser window and click it. It's called the refresh button. Just click that little button at the top of your screen and everything reloads and starts over. It's like you get a fresh start, a new beginning. It's time to refresh. Do you remember when you were eight and what's that like? third or fourth grade, uh, what were you doing back then? You know, what were you up to all the time? When I look back on my time as a, as a third grader, fourth grader, uh, my days, you know, it was all about video games. It was all about uh, maybe starting that professional baseball career that was inevitably going to happen. And then, you know, I think... Uh, Video games got in the way of that. Uh, But, you know, I think about a couple of girls that I want to introduce you to uh, that absolutely blow my mind for what is possible for an eight-year-old. Now, if you're like me, you're gonna feel like a total bum when you hear about these two girls. Uh, One of them is named Michaela. Uh, When she was four, she got stung by a bee, and rather than get freaked out by it, this girl developed this crazy, intense fascination with honeybees. As a result, as she got older, she started a lemonade stand and uh, used her grandma's recipe. The thing takes off. Everybody loves it. Me and the bees lemonade is the business that she started. Now, here's what's interesting. This girl, remember, she loves honeybees. And so she's decided to take a portion of her earnings from this and devote it to helping save honeybees. I mean, this girl is eight years old and she is an eco-entrepreneur. Not bad at eight, right? How about this girl named Lily? Uh, She has a grandpa who has Parkinson's disease, and she'd watched him struggle, trying to hold on to cups, having difficulty with his hands, and she decided to do something about it. And so this girl gets to work with clay and a kiln, goes crazy, and finally comes up with something we call the kangaroo cup. Uh, This is literally sold tens of thousands of cups. Eight years old, this girl is changing the world. Uh, When I look at the possibilities of these girls, it makes me wonder, what's possible for us as well. Guys, we're in week four of a series that we're calling Refresh. Uh, It's like pushing the refresh button on your browser. You know what I'm talking about? You get a fresh start and renew everything. Uh, It reminds me of a word that was brought in Acts chapter three by one of Jesus' closest followers. His name was Peter. Uh, And he looked at the people and he told them that they would repent if they turn around, uh, that God would bring a time of refreshing to them. That's what we're asking for as a church in this season. As we look at who we are and what we're about, we look to the words of Jesus in Matthew where he was asked, what's the most important? I mean, what is number one of all the things that you could be doing? What are the most important commandments? Jesus said this, to love God and to love people. And on these, all of the commands, everything hangs on those two things. So when we talk about this as a church, we talk about it in three ways. It's loving God, it's loving people in the church, and it's loving people in the world. And today we're going to focus on loving people in the world. Uh, now, if we're going to talk about loving people, uh, you realize that Jesus is the guy that we're following. I mean, think about these—you uh, know—be like Mike commercials. If you're a Michael Jordan fan, uh, that in every way, as apprentices of Jesus, we want to be like him. We want to do the things that he does. We want to say the things that he says. I can't think of a better way to start a conversation about loving the world than to go to one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, one of the most often quoted things in the entire history of the world, in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Now I think it's easy to uh, kind of drive past these almost you know like a bumper sticker sort of thing, uh, but can you just stop here and just, just think about this? For God so loved the world. Would you just perceive for a second the capacity, like the crazy limitless capacity that God has to love us? Not just a few of us, not a select among us, for God so loved the world, everyone, everywhere of all time, full stop. He loved the entire world. I'm glad that we serve a father who doesn't have limits on the love that he can give his people. And we even see that in the way that Jesus lived uh, in such beautiful ways to express his love. And I wanna give you a picture of that in a story in Matthew chapter nine, uh, some places and things that really shocked the people around Jesus and should probably still surprise us to this day. So let's get into it. Matthew 9, 9, check this out. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, let's stop here for a second. First, we need to realize how crazy it is that Jesus would be uh, talking to tax collectors in this time. This is something that totally shocked the people around him. Uh, When you think about tax collectors, I mean, I have a hard time even coming up with uh, like a current cultural equivalent of somebody that is so hated, so reviled by their people and the people around them as a tax collector in Jesus' time. You have to understand the way that Matthew, this tax collector, would make his living. You see, Matthew is a Jew, but he's working for Rome. And the entire nation of Israel is captive and controlled by the Roman Empire. So Matthew's job is to collect taxes for Rome from other Jews. Now, here's where it gets, uh, where it gets sticky, though. You see, Matthew's take when he was, what he was going to take home, what he was going to earn himself. See, Rome said, you can take this much and whatever extra you take is yours to keep. They didn't limit it. They didn't tell him how much to take. They just told him how much Rome wanted. So Matthew had everybody under his thumb. If he wanted more, he could get more. If he wanted a favor, he could extract a favor. I mean, can you imagine? This is not just a a guy who they're mad about because they're taking their money, but this is a brother of theirs. This is a fellow Jew who they think is stabbing the backs of the other Jews. I mean, you could not possibly have a guy hated more than a tax collector. And for Jesus to come to this man and not just talk to him, but to say, Matthew, come follow me. You see, Jesus was a rabbi in Jewish culture. This is a, an esteemed teacher. And to be the disciple, the apprentice of a rabbi was an incredible honor. Uh, in fact, the rabbis were really good about picking the best of the best to follow them. I and mean, you don't want the, the scrubs and the losers to follow you. you want, if you're gonna be the rabbi, you're gonna pick the dream team to follow you. And there's no way that a tax collector like Matthew would ever make the dream team of rabbi followers. So Jesus says, Matthew, come and follow me. He leaves everything in the moment and follows Jesus. I mean, it always surprises me. I always think sometimes like I gotta come up with some excuse. Like, why would, why would somebody leave everything and follow Jesus in that very moment? But realize the honor that Jesus is bestowing on this man. Come follow me. And that's exactly what he does. Now, keep going though. In verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's a lot going on in these two sentences and some things that honestly, I end up taking for granted. I mean, I just sort of read it so uh, uh, so flippantly while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. I mean, you realize in this culture, uh, to have dinner with someone, to eat with someone was a way of of showing acceptance and respect to them. I mean, think about it. There are some religious leaders around this scene right now, Pharisees, that are really, really good at at, at maintaining the image, really good at making the outside look good, not really caring what was happening on the inside, but as long as everybody thought they were righteous, as long as they maintained that, and boy, they were good at it. I mean, they added rule upon rule upon rule. They even held that rule book over other people because all that mattered to them was image. And here's Jesus coming to a tax collector's house for dinner. I mean, it's one thing to even talk to, but to go to this man's house for dinner, this is what I love about it though. When Jesus shows up, it's not just Matthew. Matthew invites his friends. Bunch of other tax collectors, a bunch of other sinners. I mean, you think, uh, we don't really talk about people like this in our culture. You ever ever refer to like, hey, all those sinners? I mean, that's not a way that we categorize culture. But in this time, this is something the religious leaders would use as a sort of like, I'm in, you're out sort of thing. And Jesus, this man who loves the world, is interested in loving the people that everybody else says are out I mean, think about how beautiful it is that Jesus would be willing to sit and eat with these people, that Jesus would be willing to give of himself to promote them, to honor them with his presence when nobody else wanted to have anything to do with them. But here's how Jesus responds to these Pharisees. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, it says this. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's one of my favorite things that Jesus says. It's a crazy thing that the Pharisees would look at Jesus, this man who came to love the world, to give himself to the world. They're looking at him and saying, Jesus, we don't need your help. We are good without you. We have no need for your righteousness. Whereas Matthew, the tax collector, his friends and sinners understand how desperately they need the love of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come for the sick or I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I mean, do you realize what the Pharisees are doing here? It would almost be like uh, you know, starting a hospital and putting up barricades and keeping out sick people. You show up to the hospital. Hey, I'm sick. I need your help. And they're like, oh, no, we're not into sick people. We only let healthy people into the hospital. It wouldn't make any sense at all. And the Pharisees would have a church that looked like that, where the only people who could get in were the ones who seemingly had it all together. Whereas Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This is a hospital for the sick. And I love everyone, no matter where they're coming from, no matter their situation. I'm going to tell you right now in my own life, I'm glad to know that Jesus is willing to love with that kind of capacity. See, there's a point I wanna make about this though. That when it comes to loving the world, that Jesus truly does love in simple ways. I mean, think about what he does here. Uh, when Jesus goes to Matthew's house to have dinner, I mean, think about what he could do. You know, he's the son of God. He has all this power at his disposal. I mean, could you you could just see him like floating into the room and there's like a huge bright light behind him. There's like a rumbling sound or something like, like he just manifests this crazy power. No, no, no. When God comes to the planet in the form of Jesus, when his son is here, he chooses to love the world in such a beautifully simple way as to sit down and eat dinner with somebody. I mean, that moves me because I look at that and think that is actually something that I could do. I could actually follow Jesus in loving people in simple ways. You see, Jesus didn't stop there though. He didn't just uh, love in simple ways. He loved in sacrificial ways. There's a beautiful word in 1 John 3. I want to read one more of these to you. In 1 John 3, in the 16th verse, it says this. It's another 316. This is how we know what love is. All right, I'm paying attention. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He doesn't stop there and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That is a beautiful thing. I mean, you realize it is the center of what we talk about and who we are. That we serve a God who was willing to love the world in a way that cost him. To love the world in sacrificial ways. I mean, Jesus gave of his life, yes, but also, I mean, think about his entire existence as a human being. I mean, he left glory and majesty and perfect and paradise in heaven to live and walk and breathe among us. I mean, from where I'm sitting, it seems to me like every single breath that Jesus took was a sacrifice. From the very first to the very last, Jesus loved in sacrificial ways. You just go a couple more verses in 1 John. I think there's something that that really hits me about this. In verse 18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I think about the way that Jesus demonstrates this. I mean, he could have beamed a message down from heaven, right? Hey, everybody, I'm up in heaven. I'm looking down on your suffering. I love you. Just know me. He sends like a Hallmark greeting card to us down here. That's not how he does it. He didn't love in words and speech. He loved in actions and in truth. And I believe he's calling us to do the same thing. See, we're gonna talk about Jesus being sent to love the world comes down to the same thing for us. If Jesus is sent to love the world and we're his apprentices, then we are, we, you and I right now are sent to love the world. I mean, think about the scope of this. Think about the joy and the honor of getting to follow Jesus in the greatest thing that has ever been done. No one has ever loved better. No one has ever given more. And he's looking at you and I right now saying, you are sent to love the world. He said, if, if I've been sent, I'm sending you as well. I mean, think about how beautiful that is to be sent by Jesus of all the things that he could do that he actually wants us to be a part of it. And you know, there are times in my life where I wonder why Jesus would, uh, would ever include me in the process. Maybe you've thought that of yourself as well. I mean, what do you really have to bring? I mean, he's God and here you and I are in our imperfection, in our, our damaged state. And here he is saying, no, 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 no. Don't just watch me do what I do. Don't sit back and clap for me. Don't just cheer me on. No, no. Join me in what I'm doing. We are sent just like Jesus. Now we're sent? It's the same way. If Jesus was sent to love the world in simple ways, you and I do the same thing that we love the world in simple ways. It's interesting. I, I look at that Matthew 9 text and the story of, of Matthew being called. Uh, and it's just such a simple thing. It's almost disarmingly simple uh, that he would go to his house for dinner. I mean, honestly, it's, it is something that I could do, but I, I look at my life, and I'll be honest, maybe you look at this in, in your life as well. I have a tendency to completely underestimate the simple acts of love. I have a way of, of setting them aside as if you know they're not loud enough, they're not big enough, they're not noticeable enough. I mean, but think about it. God came to the world in some of the time. He didn't have infinite time to spend. Jesus lived 33 years, around 33 years. And of that time, he chose to sit down and have dinner with people like Matthew. I'm telling you, it had an eternal impact. I mean, when, when you think about what happened with Matthew, when you look at the text in Matthew 9, and while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, I mean, the next verse says that he's got all of his friends with him. I'm impressed that Jesus would do something so simple but that it would cause Matthew to take steps as well. You see, when you and I love the world in simple ways, God's gonna move. He's going to do something uh, that is beyond the simplicity of our action. I mean, his spirit is moving in the hearts of people. Jesus is moving in ways that you and I could never do if we would just be willing to love in simple ways. We talk about this within a community uh, with a pretty cool structure. It's not hard to remember. Uh, We call it the bless practices. Uh, When you're trying to think about how do I get started in loving in simple ways? How can I practice daily the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated when he loved the world? Uh, Remember bless. It's B, begin with prayer. I don't wanna do anything in my life without starting with prayer. Uh, Whether it be the person I'm trying to bless or even my own headspace trying to get right, the way that we experience love and love God back so many times is in prayer. And I ask that every single thing I would do in my life and yours as well, that it would be saturated in prayer. That's B. Bless, L. It's listen. Listen. Uh, boy, the world needs more people that would listen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how powerful is it? How much could you honor a person just by listening to them, just giving them the space to be heard? Sometimes we want to jump straight to sharing our perspectives, jump straight to sharing our story. That's at the end. Uh, would you start by listening? All right, how about this? E, eat What would happen if you decided to do the stuff that Jesus does? If uh, if your table, when we get to this point in our lives and everybody's cool sitting down again together, uh, what would happen if you could have a regular practice of saying, you know what? My table, the table at my house, is a table that's on mission. Uh, This isn't just a place that we eat, this is a platform through which we love our neighbors. This is a place through which we love the people around us. That's a powerful thing to be on mission, even when you're eating them. You eat it all the time. What if it was on mission for Jesus? All right, how about this? S is serve. Uh, when I think about uh, the things that Jesus does and says, he didn't just speak it, he shows it. I think a lot of people in our world, uh, you know, I'm from Missouri, it's called the show me state for a reason. Uh, you don't just want to say something, I'm, I'm going to believe you when you actually do it. Can you imagine how much happens when you begin to serve your community? When you begin to demonstrate the love of God, not just with your mouth, but with your hands and your feet. I pray that our faith would live in our hands and feet and be a people that serve our communities. If you're wondering where to start in something like that, Community Cares is a great place to start. Our church is doing stuff all over the country and all over the world. There's local stuff, there's global stuff. Uh, We would love it if you would jump in and get involved with some of those things. And finally, the final S is share your story. There is nothing more powerful that you have to say than your own experiences with Jesus. Nobody else can tell your story Nobody else can come up with it. Now, you might say, well, I don't know enough Bible verses or I haven't been around long enough, all these sorts of things. How long did it take Matthew after he started following Jesus to tell other people, hey, you gotta see this guy Jesus? I mean, it was literally the same night. He's bringing people over to his house to introduce them to Jesus. He knew nothing. Share your story and powerful things are gonna happen. See, we love in simple ways, but I don't want to stop there. I want to push you just a little bit farther in this. If we're going to be a people that love the world, like Jesus loves the world, don't just love in simple ways, love like Jesus in sacrificial ways. I mean, think about what Matthew gave up. Here he is in a lucrative career. He's got everything he would ever need, and he walks away from it in an instant to follow Jesus. Jesus. So you have to wonder what's off the table for me? What am I I not willing to give up when it comes to loving the world? What am I willing to to sacrifice as I'm being called to love like Jesus loves? I mean, nobody has ever loved like him to the the extent that he loves. I mean, if, if, if we are gonna follow Jesus, what did we say in this word? That we ought to lay down our lives for others. I mean, think about what powerful, what a powerful testament that is to who Jesus is. Then, if his followers, if his apprentices would say, Jesus, you laid your life down, now I'm gonna follow you when laying your life down. I mean, Jesus said, if, if you're gonna follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. I mean, like, the, the expectation is if Jesus is gonna lay his life down, then I'm gonna lay my life down. But I'm gonna tell you, I, that is a hard thing to walk. If you're gonna walk and sacrifice, uh, I think sometimes we expect people just to go straight to the top in the biggest, loudest sacrifices. But the reality is, it starts small. You wanna exercise your sacrificial muscles if you start off with small steps. You'll find that eventually the things that used to be a strain become an of course in your life. I think about this with uh, just a crazy story. I just heard this the other day with a a French village during World War II named Les Chambon. Uh, This was a a village that had a church in it that had experienced several generations of persecution. These guys were, were not strangers to sacrifice. Identifying with Jesus at all, going to church at all was a sacrifice for many of these people and some of the things they had experienced in their lives, in their parents' lives, even their grandparents' lives. So when the time came uh, that, uh, that they were going to step up and love the world in a very sacrificial way they were ready for it. They had been exercising their sacrificial muscles for a long time. And there was a pastor in this church that began a subversive movement in World War II to hide Jews from Nazi Germany. There were thousands, thousands of Jews that were saved during the Holocaust in Les Chambon because they were people in France, in Les Chambon, France, that were willing to lay their lives down at great personal risk, at potentially massive cost. They laid their lives down to help others. So you don't get to that point of sacrifice without exercising those muscles. Because here's what's crazy, when they ask these people, uh, you can find so many of these interviews online, but they're still talking about this. When they were asked, how are you so good? And how are you so good to do these amazing things? It, it, you would see this in all of these interviews. Inevitably, it gets to the point where the person say, like, why would you talk about me being good? I mean, I, I, I literally just did what should have been done. I did what any person should have done, the right thing in that moment. I and mean, these are people that had exercised sacrificial muscles to the point where laying their lives down was an of course, I want to walk in that. And I pray that you do too, because when we do this, when we walk this way, as apprentices of Jesus, we're actually showing the world how he loves and what he looks like. So I wanna give you a few steps. I wanna give you some good starting points for what it looks like to love the world in simple ways and in sacrificial ways. Again, one of these is the blessed practices. And we're serious about this. This isn't just something we put on the wall and talk about. This is not just a bumper sticker. This is something that we're calling every single person in our church to be on mission and to move through. Think about who you could bless in your life. Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it somebody in your family? Who is God calling you to bless? The other one is community cares. Uh, This is something uh, that has grown beautifully in the last year of our church as God has called us to be an impact in our community. If you're interested in getting involved in Community Cares and uh, in serving the community, uh, I would encourage you to check that out online. Communitychristian.info is a great place to go to find some information on Community Cares. And the final one is giving back to God. And I think this is underrated a lot of times because we don't think about this as a way of loving the world. Sometimes we think about giving back to God as a way to keep the lights on. That's, uh, that's, that's not the goal here. The goal is to demonstrate sacrificial love. And as a church, when we give back to God together, there's an impact that is greater than we can ever have on our own. So as I wrap up, here's what I'd love you to think about. The seemingly mundane things in your life, the simple things in your life that oftentimes get put to the side and neglected. Would you begin to explore and wonder what it might look like if you loved the world, even in the simple things? If you're a teacher, if you're a garbage collector, if you're working at a restaurant, no matter what your walk of life is, would you begin to consider, God, what, what would you do in my life if, if I began to follow you in love in simple and sacrificial ways in every aspect of my life? And you know you're just gonna find even when you are putting your hands on the most temporary and mundane things, things that seem like they're never gonna have any impact, if you would give that to God, if you would walk in that with God, you would be amazed at the way that he can do eternal things even at the dinner table, to do forever things even in your everyday, so that the world might see such a beautiful picture of the way that God loves the world. May he show it through you and I. May He have His way, may He refresh us.